Today, we'll talk the High Limit debut, Justin Sanders, War of Outlaws, Hate, and more. Let's go. It's Wednesday, August 17th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. The debut of the High Limit Sprint Car Series has come and gone. And last night, it was Buddy Kofoid earning more than $22,000 with the debut win for the series. Kofoid topped Justin Sanders and Corey Eliason in a race that also saw Sanders and Brady Bacon lead laps. It was a fun show at Lincoln Park. And I feel like 410 wing sprint cars on bull rings is usually just a winning combination. They had 35 cars in attendance, and as expected, no full-time outlaw drivers. Brad Sweet was there, but with his promoter and official hat on versus his driving suit. It was kind of an eclectic field of cars. You had all-star guys, NASCAR guys, non-wing guys making wing starts, drivers from California, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and the Midwest. CJ Leary talked about dusting off his winged car, and it was clear that piece hadn't been out in a while. It still had the Word of Outlaws decals on it from the Craftsman days. We know Parker Price Miller is out for a while with his injuries from Knoxville, but the McGee car was there with Kale Thomas in the seat. We've seen Kale drive that car before, and he might be uh, the fill-in guy moving forward. We'll just have to kind of wait and see there. Another interesting note from last night was the officials. The race directing was done by USAC's Kirk Spridgen, and there was uh, very much a USAC feel to things. Uh, I know TJ Slideways mentioned the font on the lineup sheets. Uh, the Easy Up used during the driver meeting had the USAC logo on it. Uh, not a bad direction to go for that stuff for Kyle Larson and Sweet, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that USAC connection maybe continue into the future. Speaking of Larson, he was not really a factor in the future last night. He was moving forward, then had mechanical issues, had to go for, uh, go to the back, and then I think he was able to work his way forward to like 7th or 8th there at the end, but uh, not a factor for the win. And I joked with a few people that it's interesting to see this season with World Racing Group going non-wing racing and now USAC getting involved in the new wing series. It's a fun plot twist there to watch. Looked like they had a good crowd there. The track was in great shape. Things ran pretty smoothly. So definitely a successful opening night. And I know there was some question about what the crowd looked like, but from people I talked to that were there, uh, they said it was pretty solid. I know Clinton Boyles tweeted that he said it kind of reminded him of an Indiana Sprint Week crowd. So now we'll just have to wait until 2023 to see this thing really get going with a full schedule. But I think the future looks bright. And speaking of someone from last night, Justin Sanders, before we move on, I want to bring him up. Uh, and his foray into the Midwest uh, that he's been on here this last couple of weeks. So my Monday show wrapping Knoxville, Mark was in the YouTube comments bringing up the fact that I didn't mention Sanders enough following his week at the Nationals. Obviously, he was a rookie, made uh, made the A-Main in his first start. And then last night, Joseph Terrell, Joseph Terrell, sorry, Joseph, I butchered your last name on Twitter. He chased his races out on the West Coast. He tweeted that he felt like the 410 world didn't take Sanders seriously until recently. He said the narrative was that all Sanders did was stack up 360 wins. And I pushed back on that uh, on him because I don't think that's accurate. Sanders is a guy who's obviously won a lot in the 360, but he's won in 410 competition also. He's got multiple NARC victories, uh, and he's run well against the Outlaws. Uh, since 2017, he's got six top tens between Silver Dollar and Placerville when the Outlaws come through. And during the Gold Cup weekend in 2017, he'd led laps before eventually finishing second to Shane Stewart. Uh, you, you don't lead laps and, and, and run up front against the Outlaws and, and not get respect. I think that's a, a little bit of a silly thing. And I think if you pay any regular attention to sprint cars in this country, you know about Justin Sanders, even if he does run sprint cars after dark out in California mostly. I started putting my show transcripts on DirtTracker.com in February of 2021. So I have 380 shows in that database. So it's like if, if you go on the daily, DirtTracker.com slash daily, 
all the transcripts for the show because I write a script for these. They're all on the website. So 380 of them going back to uh, the beginning of 2021. And a quick search of those showed I've mentioned Sanders 76 times between February 8th, 2021 and today. So Sanders is a guy we've talked about, obviously, plenty of times on this show. The deal for Sanders to come east and race with the Swindell Speed Lab team didn't come together until later in July, and it's paid dividends. The team struggled a bit during the 360 Nationals. They didn't make the future at the Capitani Classic, but they earned enough points on their Knoxville Nationals prelim night last week to earn a start in the Saturday main event, like I mentioned. And that made Sanders one of three Nationals rookies in the feature. He joined Buddy Kofoid and J.J. Hickel. Remember, Kofoid was the rookie of the year. Mechanical issues forced the 39 out early, but it was still a uh, very strong showing. And then last night to lead laps and eventually finish uh, second, that's a successful race against that field of drivers. When Kevin and Jordan Swindell announced him as their driver, I didn't see anyone question the move. And if you look at their replies to that tweet on Twitter, everything is super positive. Sanders is one of those guys out there right now who, if given the right opportunities, I think could succeed all the way to the top. There's no reason why he couldn't win World of Outlaws races. Sanders wasn't a dark horse or super crazy pick for them to put in that car. I think it was actually a really shrewd move. And not shockingly, it's worked out pretty well. Uh, As for yesterday's show, thanks everyone that tuned in and commented about the future between the full-time outlaw drivers and racing outside events like with the High Limit Series. I do think it's important for both sides to continue to work towards a mutually beneficial uh, situation and solution. I think that is possible here. Uh, We need both the series and the teams to continue to be strong and funded properly in the future. In all the comments, though, it's pretty wild how negatively some of you view the World of Outlaws as a series and World Racing Group as a company. I saw words like greed, stale, survive, folks mentioning they won't attend their races and all kinds of other negative stuff. I'd be curious to know where this all, you know, all this disdain comes from. Like it or not, the World of Outlaws as a series is the biggest thing going in dirt racing. And I know this is where you're going to be like, but what about all the lay model stuff? I know that there are late model shows that pay more than big outlaw shows, and there are more late models as a whole in this country than there are sprint cars. But on a name recognition basis and just general popularity, the outlaws are it. And you don't have to take my word for it here. That you know this isn't my opinion. A quick look uh, look at Google Trends shows way more search traffic for the word of outlaws, for example, than the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. For World Racing Group as a company, the rise of the streaming has certainly made that organization probably as healthy as it's ever been, which is fantastic because this comes on the heels of periods in the early 2000s into the 2010s where things were very touch and go for that company. The whole thing could have gone away at any moment very easily if one or two things go differently over that you know 10 or 15 year span. I believe the sport of dirt racing is better with WRG and the Outlaws healthy because not only does that mean big sprint car and late model racing, but also all they do for the local racing through the dirt car program. And remember, all of that is one big pool of money. So it's like if they're making a ton of money on dirt vision, yeah, they're going to share that money with Sprinkler teams, the late model teams, the full-time guys, purses, all that stuff. But that also helps bring some of that other stuff up as well. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, all of this through all of this, that they haven't made mistakes or that they do everything perfectly. That's basically impossible. They're going to screw up at times. They're going to make wrong officiating calls. You're going to think that they're favoring one set of drivers over another. I I get all of that stuff. That's just, you know, the world we live in and that, you know, that's the position you put yourself in when you're going to be, uh, you know, a, a sanctioning body at this point. But I do wonder why it seems like some hope for the demise of the outlaws, because that's kind of what it feels like. Remember that in all of this, that a rising tide raises all boats. Remember that. 
Something else I've been thinking about, and I know I've mentioned this a bit before, but let me know if you guys would like some sort of dedicated mailbag episodes. I feel like I'm always open to answer questions from you, whether that's email, tweets, you know, DMs uh, in the YouTube comments. Uh, and I try to mix those in here and there. But if you want something more formal where we do like a weekly or monthly or something like that mailbag episode, let me know. I'm certainly not opposed to dedicating an entire episode to questions and answers. Uh, jumping into some racing, uh, some other racing from last night. Summer Fast for the Super Dirt Car Series continued last night at Brewerton for night two. Jimmy Phelps won the opener on Monday, and last night it was a dominating run for Series Points Leader Matt Shepard. He started on the pole and led all 60 laps to earn the $7,500 victory. Tom Sears Jr. and Peter Britton rounded out the podium. Those of you who are Northeast Modified fans are going to rip me for this next comment, but I didn't know until today that we have Tim Sears Jr. and Tom Sears Jr. running Modifieds. No clue. I was today years old when I figured that out. And I wonder how many times uh, I've screwed that one up in the past where I thought I was talking about Tim Sears Jr. and was talking about Tom Sears Jr. I have no idea. Uh, halfway through this mini speed week now, Matt Shepard has extended his championship advantage to 85 points over Matt Williamson. Fulton is next up tonight with another $7,500 winner share up for grabs. Tonight will be again live over on Dervision. If you're looking for other Dura Racing podcasts this week, Loud Pedal has last night's winner, Buddy Kofoid. Passing Points has Dazen Pursley. Forward Bite has Cameron Goldsworthy. TJ Slideways has Dan McCarron, the rare TJ Slideways podcast. And there is a new uh, there is a new episode of Dirt Tracks and Rib Racks. To see the full list of shows and episodes, head over to dirttracker.com slash podcast. And not a bad day today for streaming. Eight shows on the schedule. Dirt Vision has the Super Dirt Car Series from Fulton. Like I just said, they also have weekly micro action from Millbridge. Do not sleep on that micro show from Millbridge. A lot of big names race in that every single week. Big car counts there too as well. Flow Racing has the weekly show from Action Track USA. They also have sport mods from 141 Speedway and Flow 24-7. We've also got regional action on Speedsport. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Wednesday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.